let us go ahead and start recording here. And I want to welcome everybody back to episode number six of the Aligning 360 podcast. It's me, your boy. Um, on this podcast, what I would like to talk about is what this little hiatus has looked like for me and taking a break. This is the first podcast that I've recorded in oh, on my own uh, in, I'm going to say, somewhere around a year. I've done a couple of podcasts, um, one with my jiu-jitsu instructor. Uh, we did a couple uh, doing a breakdown on a altercation that I got into with a homeless guy about nine months ago, something like that. Um, I haven't uploaded that yet, and at some point uh, that will happen. I don't know when, um, hopefully soon. I am starting to uh, record on my new MacBook Air that I bought specifically to help me uh, stay focused on what I say is important to me. And part of what I say is important to me is delivering the messages um, that I've brought back with me from a myriad of experiences. I consider myself to be in some ways a bard or a scribe. It's really important for me to recount and reflect and share the wisdom of the experiences that I've had in my life. It's very important to me to be a witness, a faithful witness to my life experience and a conscious narrator of the kinds of stories I am telling myself and therefore telling other people as well. I believe that we have the power through our speech and our thinking and our acting to create the kind of life that is asking to be lived through us. In order to do that, we have to practice. So that's what these podcasts are about to me. It's about getting that practice in and sharing the wisdom of uh, my adventures. So without further ado, let's begin. Not sure what that little noise was, but you know what? We're working it out. We're figuring it out. I have a I have a whole new setup now that I'm using. I ended up purchasing a MacBook Air and all of the uh, necessary adapters and devices that I needed to 
plug in my audio interface. And now I have a much better studio set up. It is far from perfect, but it is going to do exactly what I need it to do. And with that, and I'm uh, having to learn this uh, new software and new methods for recording these podcasts, which, by the way, I'm pretty uh, rusty at. I'm, I'm a little out of the loop. For those of you that um, have been paying any degree of attention, you know that I haven't recorded a podcast on my own in about a year, maybe even a little bit longer than that. Things have been a little wild as I have navigated this pandemic um, just like everyone else. And uh, as you know, there's a there's a little bit of controversy brewing. It looks like that Saturn-Pluto conjunction um, had the effects we thought it was going to have after all. Um, I'm not going to speak on this too much because I'm not as informed um, as I would like to be with regards to previous Saturn-Pluto conjunctions in Capricorn. But what I do know is that there are many astrologers who have talked about this in a lot more detail and they've gone through the dates and shown that most of the time this happens, there is some sort of plague that sweeps through um, humanity. And I really don't care too much um, for predictive astrology necessarily. I do think it's interesting when the effects of the archetypal um, energies manifest themselves in the world with uh, undeniable um, accuracy. This is what continues to compel me to explore and practice astrology while at the same time maintaining a certain level of skepticism. It's almost like I am curious how and why it works, and that compels me to explore and study and uh, try and rationalize the legitimacy or illegitimacy to the best of my ability. And I do have a bias towards it because I've studied um, my chart in-depthly and the charts of many others fairly in-depthly and it continues to uh, unbeknownst to me how or why exactly um, its validity at the very least it gives people something to think about and consider um I'm still waiting for it to be completely uh, 
irrelevant um, with people that I talk to, but that uh, consistently is not the case. So with that, um, I've taken a little, I've taken a little break because I needed to focus on some other things, some other priorities, namely uh, building my credit, getting my blue belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, which I just earned last Friday, a week ago today. I'm going to talk about that a little bit and uh, moving into a new place, getting a new dog, a little Shiba Inu named Juno, and really just trying to focus on my daily routines, becoming more disciplined, and exercising more mastery in my life. And I have had Saturn sitting on my natal moon for close to two years. And the effects of that have felt very heavy and have weighed on me um, internally in a... um, just a kind of heaviness and a kind of depression, a kind of, you know, having to face more harsh realities. And uh, that has been, has been quite challenging and quite depressing because the state of the world and my perception of my trajectory and what I wanted to be doing um, and the kind of life that I wanted to be living and all of that um, died in the face of the reality of what was going on and the reality of what was going on is that the future seems or seemed um, a little more stark and uh, not super optimistic, which Jupiter retrograde in the sign of its detriment, Aquarius, may have had something to do with that as well. When Jupiter moves back into it went direct fairly recently. Again, for those of you that have been listening, um, I am not as exact and precise as I could be with these things, but the, you know, describing, um, you know, on April 28th, 2020, Jupiter retrograded. I, I could do that and I would eventually like to get better about doing that. But for now, these are just sort of rough drafts um, or more of a, more of a um, gross uh, conglomeration of what's been happening. And I'll continue to refine it down and get more accurate as time goes on. But for now, um, bear with me as it's uh, not 
that crisp yet. But Jupiter is going to be returning back into the sign of its domicile, Pisces, here soon. And you know what? I'm just going to take a little look at this chart that I could have done beforehand. But you know what? We're going to do it now. So let's see. Um, not that. Let's look at the chart. There we go. Jupiter is at 23 degrees Aquarius at this time. And that means in a year, let's see, break it down, 30 degrees. We are at 25, close to 25. It spends a year. And let's see, that means that Roughly in January of 2022, Jupiter will enter back into Pisces. Jupiter being the planet of my capacity to search for meaning, truth, and ethical values. Going into the sign of Pisces, which is my need to imagine or dream of a higher ideal and work towards its realization. That's a good place for Jupiter and brings back um, some hope. With it being in Aquarius for the last, I don't know, half a year, eight months, something like that, and being retrograde back into Aquarius, the sign of its detriment, it's basically like Aquarius's downside is that it forces separation through its attachment to its own specialness. It's when uniqueness turns into I'm special. And that's because Aquarians or that Aquarius vibe in general is um, thinks outside the box. It is eccentric. It doesn't uh, do things quite like tradition would say it should. Aquarius kind of looks at things and goes, mm, yeah, I see that that's what you guys do, and I'm going to do it my own way. It rebels. It's like, it's a, it's a very unique, eccentric energy and it's and it's usually um, a bit strange or a bit weird and and doesn't care so much um, about following the crowd and in a lot of ways that can be a really good thing and in a lot of ways that can be its own detriment because what happens is it starts to alienate itself from the people that it wants to be in service to Aquarius energy is my need to be unique, original, and create social change. It is the sign of the humanitarian, the sign of brotherly love, or humanity love. Um, anyways, with Jupiter there, Jupiter magnifies whatever sign it's in, so that 
tendency to be special with Jupiter there in the sign of its detriment. Basically, it is going to exacerbate or uh, inflate that tendency towards um, wanting to be special. Embracing uniqueness can bring you together and forcing or or um, what would be a better way of saying that um, emphasizing specialness through a comparative lens causes separation because it says I'm blank than you I'm better than you I'm smarter than you I know more than you which the motto of Aquarius is I know and so people can become very uh, narcissistically bound to their ideas Aquarius is fixed air so it's fixed ways of thinking and speaking. It becomes engrossed and enamored by its own thoughts. Tends to um, relate to itself as smarter than uh, everyone else. And so... That's not a great position for Jupiter to be. And right now, with the things that are happening in the world, everybody has an opinion. And if you're um, bound to your opinions, you know there's a there's a there's a utility to that. You know, you're you're. Um, when we attach to our beliefs and our opinions of things as true, there is a kind of security that comes with that. Meaning, you don't have to be so lost in the world if you are fundamentally, uh, rigidly attached to your beliefs. Let's say you're a fundamentalist Christian. Now you have a kind of security because your beliefs ensure to your own um, self-image that what you believe is ultimately true and you'll, have, you'll be able to um, have all the answers to the questions that life throws at you. Oh, the devil did that. Oh, Jesus is the truth, the light in the way, and anyone that doesn't believe that is going to hell. And because I believe that, therefore, my salvation is guaranteed. And it's like, if you don't question that at all, there's a kind of security that comes with that. 
because now you know the truth. However, um, it misses it misses out on a lot of uh, other possibilities, you know, and it, and to be rigidly attached to that belief structure um, will get tested and will cause uh, a kind of a kind of irrationalism. A kind of how much do you have to cling to what you believe and if you if you have to insist you know the truth what makes you so sure what makes you so sure that it's the truth if you have to insist doesn't the truth stand on its own to me the truth well, I rarely um, relate to truth as the truth. When I think of the truth, I think truth is relative to context. That what's true here, from my limited perspective, may not be true over there from their limited perspective. If I have to continue to impose my view of reality onto the rest of the world, what makes me so sure that I know the truth? What makes me so sure that that just isn't a kind of narcissistic pathology that I am now possessed by because where did I learn the truth from? Was it taught to me? Did somebody tell me the truth? And did I believe them? Was that my choice? Was it self-evident from a internal knowing? Those are the kinds of truths that I'm interested in. You know, those kinds of truths that are um, clearly practical, insightful wisdom to know intuitively the kind of truths that can't be held on to. They sort of slip through your grasp or slip through your fingertips, no matter how hard you hold on to them. My teacher one time said to me when I was asking about truth, he said, there is no such thing as truth. We create 
everything. And you might look at that and go, well, if you expect me to believe that, I would have to relate to that as true. So therefore, wouldn't that render that um, not true? But I thought of it a little bit differently, you know, to, to consider it as true for a moment. I thought, what does he mean by that? And I don't know if this is what he meant by that, but I wonder that Language, we relate to life through language, through consciousness. And that language and that consciousness that we have around certain things is not actually the thing itself. At best, language is only representational of the thing itself. Therefore, anything in language or that we relate to in language is merely representational regardless of its utility or its um, accuracy in which it uh, expresses reality. It's like no matter how real the images on your TV appear to be, it is not the real thing that's happening. It's merely representational. And the same thing is true with language. So when we think of, say, the truth, and, and him saying that there is no such thing as truth, we create everything. We've created language. We've created shapes or structures of meaning in our perception. And anytime we utilize those in any way, shape, or form, that isn't reality. That is our creation. And no matter how accurate it might be, you know, you might be looking at an HD or a 4, I don't know anything about fucking cameras, but the super crisp and clean and clear images of a football game, no matter how crisp and clean and clear it is, it's not the real thing. I wanted to read this this is from the book let your life speak by Parker J Palmer it says years ago someone told me that humility is central to the spiritual life that made sense to me 
I was proud to think of myself as humble. But this person did not tell me that the path to humility, for some of us at least, goes through humiliation, where we are brought low, rendered powerless, stripped of pretenses and defenses, and left feeling fraudulent, empty, and useless. A humiliation that allows us to regrow our lives from the ground up, from the humus of common ground. The spiritual journey is full of paradoxes. One of them is that the humiliation that brings us down, down to the ground on which it is safe to stand and to fall, eventually takes us to a firmer and fuller sense of self. When people ask me how it felt to emerge from depression, I can give only one answer. I felt at home in my skin and at home on the face of the earth for the first time. I read that because ultimately I don't know um, you know, there, there's all these, there's all these conversations about truth and there's all these, you know, and, and it's like, and I really used to put a lot of emphasis on like knowing the truth. I want to know the truth. I want to know the truth. And, and really, I believe when I was talking about all of that representational language and consciousness and all that, it's to me, the truth is sort of what's happening And to the degree and um, can I can I witness what's happening with the full sense of my presence? And what do I do with these moments? As human beings, we create narratives, we create stories about what's happening. We're always taking awareness and turning it into consciousness. We're always taking what's happening just as it is and turning it into language. And we relate to life through this language and we do that through narrative and story structures. And those story structures and those narratives either get us closer to the heart and core of who we are or take us away from that. There's a whole, you know, there, there are many, many, many bodies of work that aim to talk about these things, these phenomenons, these experiences and as much as I'm inclined towards knowing the truth, quote unquote, being a truth seeker, I also acknowledge that I'm never going to be able 
to know the truth because there's just far too much happening for me to be able to comprehend. So instead of knowing the truth, there's more of a desire to embrace the mystery of not knowing and simplifying what I do know to the most relevant um, to the most relevant applications. It's kind of like I don't need to know necessarily what truth is like or the laws of physics or anything like that on some faraway distant star because that is not where I'm at. I would rather know how to make my life as meaningful as I possibly can. And part of that is learning how to tell the stories that bring about that kind of meaning. I also feel that it is about getting connected to the deeper yearnings and values that seem to um, move us about in our life. And from that book, that Let Your Life Speak book, one of the questions that he posits in the book is, are you living the life that is being asked to live through you? And what are those deep values that you have? What are those yearnings and those longings that don't really go away? No matter how much you try to quiet them, they always somehow seem to bubble up from beyond, trying to get your attention. And emphasizing that, really getting to know ourselves. This is why the name of this podcast is Aligning 360, Aligning in Body, Heart, Mind, and Spirit. I tend to be very mind-oriented, so my practices are usually regarding the body and the heart. Those have to be my central focus because they are the places that I am the weakest in. Growing my body, developing my body, takes heart and it has the potential to forge spirit. And I have to oftentimes shut out or at least deal with and contend with the thoughts in my mind, the thoughts that say, I can't keep going. This last year has been a lot of contending with those thoughts. When we lose touch with what is most meaningful to us, there's a kind of deadness that starts to set in, a sort of malady of the soul.
as my teacher would describe it, or diseases of despair, as I've often heard it described as well. I pause there. Because I feel like I see this sickness everywhere in lots of people. We all cope with it in different ways. Some people want to deny that it's there. That that malady doesn't exist for them. And hey, maybe it doesn't, you know? I At one point, I was protected from that through the structures of my naivete. You know, it's kind of like uh, a close friend of mine has a son and that son was really good at skateboarding and he would go skateboarding and he would try all these big tricks and go off of these jumps and big, you know, and just like so courageous and so just out there. And then one day, boom, he hit the ground and all of the sudden that naivete disappeared in the pain of a real fall and then I was like oh shit I didn't know that that could happen that rude awakening that harsh reality caused him to shrink a bit now that he knows, ooh, man, I can really get hurt. And I think that people through this pandemic have encountered their own version of that. Oh, we can really get hurt. Not only does our mortality come into view, but our vulnerability comes into view as well. To die is one thing. To suffer is another. So when we have those barriers of naivete up, you know, it's kind of like, oh, man, 
Ignorance is bliss. The real courage comes, becomes necessary once we've taken that fall and we've decided it's still important for us to push ourselves and to go big, knowing that we can be hurt, that there is something that can compel us to embrace and face head on the possibility of being hurt, of being killed. For me, a connection with that feels like what my life is for. Death is what makes life meaningful because this ends. Me, as I think of myself to be, will at some point cease to be. But I do believe, and sometimes I've encountered that eternal presence that transcends the body and includes the body, transcends the mind and includes the mind. transcends my ideas of the soul and becomes the soul or reveals the soul. Getting connected with that place is some of the most meaningful and powerful moments I and, and most true and real and nourishing moments that I have ever encountered. And yet, I'm not able to fully abide there consciously yet. Aligning 360 is about the process of continuing to get in touch with that. Discovering what the yearnings and the beckonings that bubble up from those places our reasons to be or reasons to continue being. They live there. There's a poem by Rumi and I'll see if 
I can find it real quick. That says, it's called, Whoever Brought Me Here. All day, I think about it. Then at night, I say it. Where did I come from and what am I supposed to be doing? I have no idea. My soul is from elsewhere. I'm sure of that. And I intend to end up there. This drunkenness began in some other tavern. When I get back around to that place, I'll be completely sober. Meanwhile, I'm like a bird from another continent sitting in this aviary. The day is coming when I fly off. But who is it now in my ear who hears my voice? Who says words with my mouth? Who looks out with my eyes? What is the soul? I cannot stop asking. If I could taste one sip of an answer, I could break out of this prison for drunks. I didn't come here of my own accord, and I can't leave that way. Whoever brought me here will have to take me home. This poetry, I never know what I'm going to say. I don't plan it. When I'm outside the saying of it, I get very quiet and rarely speak at all. Rumi. Here's a little saying that came to me that sort of echoes that maybe. Emphasizes certain parts of it. And that is imagine all the things that had to happen for this to be happening here. That is the ground of being to the heart of creation. That this body is here, this biological organism with all of these things that I had nothing to do with. I didn't make this sheetrock or this apartment or these microphones or this laptop or any of the things really in this apartment except for maybe a handful of few but even then all the processes that had to grow those and all of the ancestors and the human beings that came before me and all of the nuclear reactions and all of the chemical reactions and all of the 
biodiversity and all everything, all the things that had to happen for this to be happening here. When Rumi says, when I'm outside the saying of it, I get very quiet and rarely speak at all. That insight came to me in a very quiet space. When I was sitting with myself and being in awe and appreciation for all the things that had to have happened for me to be sitting here experiencing life in this way. A conscious being who can ask themselves those kinds of questions. All the things that had to happen for this to be happening here goes back to the beginning of it all. The ground of being to the heart of creation. And eventually, the me that has those thoughts will cease to be. I do myself a disservice of not being curious about that Because one day, just like everyone else, I will meet my death. Rumi gets curious by saying, what am I supposed to be doing? Where did I come from? Who is it now in my ear who hears my voice? Who says words with my mouth? Who looks out with my eyes? What is the soul? I cannot stop asking. If I could taste one sip of an answer, I could break out of this prison for drunks. When one is abiding in the presence, the presence of their own being, the presence of the moment that endures, you're starting to get close to who you are. You're starting to get close to what is the soul. It is at the ground of being. This is why the self-realization and the self-actualization path to me are what life as a human being is all about. To realize yourself by asking these kinds of questions. Who am I? You know, that's the fundamental Buddhist question. Who am I?
These are not trivial questions if you take them seriously. If you can follow that and watch that. The transcendent and the mystical states can be experienced. Truly and fully. Self-realization to me is the becoming familiar with the depths of who and what we are. And the it is the feminine component. It is like the moon, the subjective experience. The internal eye in the imagination. You could say where the conscious mind meets the mind of the all. And the self-actualization path is the masculine component. taking on the task, the devoted responsibility of doing your absolute best to manifest that into the world, to bring about your highest potential in whatever domain that calls to you, your most real and authentic values and interests. Most people have no idea who they are. They have no idea what they value, not in any conscious way. Most people are living out the lies of the trauma that the process of enculturation has imposed upon them. People are not taught to know themselves and become themselves and to be themselves fully. A powerful question that I started to ask myself is, how is the world better by you being in it? And not lying about that. Not deceiving myself about that. I heard Jordan Peterson say today that love is the experience of the best in me being in service to the best in you. To me, the actualization path is the path of taking those discoveries of what you have realized about yourself and applying them and developing them in the world. Once you realize a value, you now have a responsibility to managing or maintaining that value. Your integrity is put together by your values. No values, no integrity. No integrity, you're a slave. 
You're a slave to your every impulse. You have no guiding factor in your life. This leads to nihilism. This leads to depression. This leads people to become very bitter and resentful. I realized for myself a saying that says, I would rather be good than nice, and I would rather be whole than good. So, what are your values and interests, you know? Are, are you living a path of fate or of destiny? You know, fate is just like you, you get what you get. Fate is kind of like determinism, you know? Whereas destiny is sort of free will. Those two sort of run concurrent with each other. Sometimes your fate is your destiny and Sometimes your destiny is just a little bit of an engagement beyond your fate. To be engaged in the path of destiny is to be honoring your values and interests and doing your best to grow and develop those values and actualize within those values to the best of your ability. That is answering the question, how is the world better by you being in it? And it's usually regarded through some experience of love. This is another quote from Parker J. Palmer that says, I now know that anything one can do on behalf of the true self is done ultimately in the service of others. The best in me is in service to the best of you? Am I living the life that is being asked to live through me? These are the most meaningful experiences that we can have as human beings. Maybe we do ourselves a favor and embrace them. How can I make my life in the lives of others, the best it could possibly be. That is a pathway of awareness. To know thyself. And that's a process. That's why it's called aligning 360, not aligned 360. With that, I'm going to bring this to a close. I thank you all so much for listening. I hope you got something of value for yourself. And I'll catch you next time.